Welcome back to Dunk Auto Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Dan. Strongback, Minneapolis. Oh. So. I wasn't, I wasn't prepared for this. I don't know my role yet. You didn't think I'd be a strongback? I don't think that I'm a strongback. I'm definitely not a resistant. I get sick all the time. Are we on breeder? So we'll keep an eye out for, for my role. Uh, we, have, we have started the obelisk gate third of the way through that's up to chapter eight pretty good pretty good i think the last so okay just a reminder this is book two by the way make sure to read book one before starting this tired of warning you guys (laughs) also because the characters that we get thrown in with at the beginning of chapter one i'll admit i had forgotten pretty much all of them yeah it's been a while I remembered Alabaster and Essen. And even then I was like, Cyanite, who is Cyanite? <laughs> okay. I did a quick little like Wikipedia plot search. Mm, smart. Which was good. It was a little too brief because it, it has been a very long time since we were, since we read the first one. Too mm. long, I'll say. I agree. Great. This is, we love the first one. I don't know why it took us so long. Um <laughs> But the first thing I want to say, and I think that we probably said this in our series on the first book, the Guardian relationship to the Origins, just so creepy. Yeah, it sucks. It's so bad. The line for me that epitomizes it is when Shafa is talking about how appalled he was that cyanite killed her own child and he's like i would have loved that kid every moment right until i put it into the wire chair that it was going to spend its whole life in and it was like oh no this guy sucks i don't think you know what love is buddy you really don't you really don't and like it's definitely like obviously he's a monster But the whole, like, Guardian culture seems to perpetuate this ideal. Like, this seems to be the thing that he's been trained to do and, like, brought up to do. So Mm. it seems like all the Guardians are just just monsters. Just the worst kind of of monster. Right. And I don't know if they're they're human. I don't know if even the word, like, human really applies in this book. Um... I don't yeah. know if they are, but the way that they have that like feeling towards their origins, mm-hmm. for lack of a better phrasing, yeah. um, like they love them, but they have to do these horrible things to them really is like a clear hierarchical system in their mind mm-hmm. in like a very creepy way. I don't love it. Well, it's like they use the words that are associated with like the nice, good emotions that we know, like love and they care about them and they're there, like they're looking after them. They're like their guardian, but they don't mean it in the way that is like the good, happy feeling that we all know. Like we, it's like a perversion of this language that we all kind of know and that to me is like one of the creepiest parts is these words that he's talking about and you're like that's not what that means dude that's not like he talks about how when he first like unlocks the secret power that he's like or like the forbidden power that they're not supposed to touch and he washes up on shore and murders a whole family to like steal their essence he's like i spared the children because I'm not a monster. Like, I, I showed them mercy. And it was like, dude, you're not. That's not really. No. Shafa. Shafa, come on. Uh, my first note is this. We hated we hated Shafa coming back. Oh, yeah. At the, at the end of this section, when uh, the reveal that Shafa has, do, has been doing the moon thing. By the way, we can't get two moon reveals. That's wild. Well, yeah, yeah. 
I the, guess the <laughs> chapter the chapter name is I forget the daughter's name, Nassen or something like that. Uh-huh. Finds the moon. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> that was quick. Pretty easy. I know, I know. Well, there's the parallel between, like, having this gravitational force between things and this, like, attraction between things. Mm -hmm. And, like, that's the idea of when they talk about the moon, we get this description about what a satellite is. It seems like that's kind of the, like, attractive force that Shafa is also working with. So I get the, like, parallels that we're working with. But, yeah, the, the just straight up calling it the moon... And it's just something completely different. Like, it's not the moon that we were talking about before. Wild. Wild. Bit of a plot twist. So, the other thing I want to talk about with Shafa. And this is sort of hinted at in the last book. But there is this, like, really close relationship between Origins and Guardians. And there's this moment where Shafa is like killing one of the like people in that village where he takes that first origin from after he's done his transformation that mm-hmm. he he like touches the back of their neck steals their soul and is like oh this person like was almost an origin like they almost had enough where they could have been an origin and then in parentheses the narrator is like or a guardian and so it seems like there's a very strong link between them. Like there's just like it's a it's a facet of the same kind of let's let's use a metaphor that that works for this book crystal. Like they're one crystal that is just shaped differently. Okay, I actually had missed this little parentheses, but that's very interesting. I've I've got a little a little theory maybe for what the okay. what the thing is that there's the difference how they're carved differently. So origins have this like special it seems like special organ or like part of their brain that's like a sesapine or cispene something like that. Right. That they're starts like with ses. Yes, starts with ses that they like can use to figure out where the energy is, like where the magic is. And guardians all have like a scar on the back of their neck. Mm-hmm. maybe guardians at a young age would have gone on to be origins. Like they have this organ that's well-developed, but it's been like surgically modified in some way to turn them into guardians. And you can only do it after like a certain, like before a certain age, maybe. Okay. Interesting. I wonder if that would mean, I think that that sounds good, especially considering that there's the little scar there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I do wonder if that means like any origin could have been a guardian or if there's like something that's like, oh, this one has or this person has whatever, whatever quality that's slightly different than the other origins, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I, we okay, obviously we I don't think we can really speculate about yet. Um, what are you talking about, Luke? We speculate on stuff all the time on this show. <laughs> sure, true. we can. That's true. Um, the guardians have to be like athletic, right? Maybe it's only the buff ones. They're like you look like the next LeBron James. Take out that. That's whatever it's called. You're going to be a guardian now. The buff. Well, because I I started off by saying I think it's got to be at a certain age. You've got to get mm-hmm. in there. So you're saying True. they take the buff children, the kids that are just ripped out of their minds, and they're like, you're a guardian for sure. Uh, I hmm. because because like otherwise we would ha- we would have no buff origins, right? They would just take any origin that got ripped and like, okay, time for you to be a guardian. Well, it's not it's not a hundred. Yeah, okay, yes, that's true, but to your point of it has to be early enough, you know, you, you're going to miss some late bloomers. Mm, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, th- the vibe that I get from the like society that's been set up, especially with the like weird, I say weird, horrific chair situation where they set up 
origins to just like act as nodes to quell mm-hmm. quakes. Uh, I imagine there's some kind of terrible surgery happening to make the guardians. Yeah. That's just the vibe that I get from this whole busted situation. The vibe, the vibe of this society, not great. Really bad. <laughs> really bad. But we knew that. We knew that from the fifth season. We did. I think, Luke, there is a a segment on our show that we have yet to identify. But I'm going to announce it now. This is a segment that's happened in the past. I'm now naming it. It's called Creative Solutions with Luke and Dan. Ooh, okay. Love and this, is, this is where they've got this problem. That, that's talked about in this book and we have thought of the creative solution to solve this problem okay okay so luke we got a problem we find out fairly early on essence walking around the geode talking to the person in charge overhears a little issue that they're having and that issue people are complaining about not enough hot water you see where I'm going already, Luke? You see where I'm going with my creative solution? Okay. I know that we get introduced to a certain type of bug. Uh-huh. And those bugs are called like boil Something bugs. About boiling water. Boil beetles. Boil bugs. Um yeah. Hello. Okay. What blessing in disguise? I think sure. You've got a guy who got his legs sous vide. But also, uh, never have cold water again. Take a few okay. of those beetles, put them around the edge of a bathtub, and you've got a hot tub now. Okay, okay. Well, first of all, I am not going in that hot tub. <laughs> They're perfectly <laughs> harmless. Very risky. I think that you have to find a way to... Because you can't just like put them in a body of water because they're not going to do it. So you have to be like, here's this uh, log that you think is a a foot. All right, here it is. You just line your hot tub with beef. And then you put the bugs on the beef. People stop complaining about the cold water. Okay, okay. What are we doing? Because this this is a two for one. Hot tub... Plus, you're getting your meat cooked at the same time. Hold on, Luke. Have we discovered a new innovation in stew? In this world, for sure. Okay, because for sure, part of this, the problem here would be, I don't want, like, my stew, I don't want my stew to taste like Derek's athlete's foot. So there's an issue there of, like, we need people to kind of, like, wash off before they get in. But, like, that's ah, not that big of an issue. And, like, if you find a hair in your soup, like, yeah, who cares? I, I'm very actually skeptical of where we've gone with this. Do you think we might have gone too far? Is this the <laughs> is this the time that we've gone a little bit too far with this? Because I'm not... You're, we're describing stew of our bath water this is terrible i don't know i don't know luke maybe it's like a a fad you know how people will just like anything that they can bathe in that's different they're like it's good for you it's healthy you know Mm -hmm. it'll make your skin glow this is how to you know you've been trying to moisturize for a long time you've been doing it wrong what you've really got to do is get a bouillon cube put it in your bath with you and that's like the (laughs) best it's got all the nutrients you need well, okay. Well, hang on now, because I can't quite remember how these bugs work. Is it? I think that they're like shooting hot water in, right? So and they're doing it in two like, places. It's like a defense mechanism because they try and pull the things off and it shoots scalding water at the people trying to pull them off. So part of it is a defense mechanism. But yes, the other part is it's like shooting it into the meat that it's latched onto. Because it's okay. cooking it. Okay, this is okay. This is easy then. We've just got we've just got a grate above our above our pool, mm-hmm. 
where we've put our food, our uncooked food, the the beetles on that food, and they're shooting the water through the food and down into the pool. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. We're talking about pools. Why are we talking about pools? This is a shower now. We've invented a hot shower. We have invented a hot shower that also (laughs) cooks your breakfast for you. That really speeds up your morning. This is a beef-powered hot shower. Is what we have just invented here. No more complaints. <laughs> it's perfect. Oh yeah, just go use the beef shower. <laughs> it's lovely. Now, in the in reality, though, I feel like you could trick the beetles into thinking that they're cooking food, and then they're just like constantly shooting water. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's, but it's a piece of wood, so it's not actually cooking. But you're getting, you're getting a, you can make, have a long shower as long as you want it because it, the the wood's not going to cook. So the beetle's just going to keep going. Yeah. I think the only issue here is the beetle's got to get the energy to make that hot water. And I feel like it gets the energy from the beef. Like, otherwise it's going to, it's going to, you know, run out of steam. Now we got to take a deep dive into the how these beetles are like working right i don't think they're solar powered like they're definitely beef powered so maybe you just have to feed them like after your shower to make sure that they build up that energy again yeah but now now i'm worried about the efficiency of this and if we should just use a fire yeah but you can't burn beef although Okay, and actually, now that I think about it, there's definitely more of an abundance of jerky than trees. Because, like, pretty soon all the plant life is going to die because there's no sunlight. But you're going to keep the, like, meat around. Like, this is why the dog creatures transition to eating meat. Because there's much more meat than plants during a season. So, like, a meat-based electricity or like energy system might actually work in in the mid-range obviously long term this is not going to work out too well but for like i don't know a hundred years that might be the solution this is gonna (laughs) the thing is that this is gonna be so dark because like the meat for most of this time period is gonna be human and it's like it seems disrespectful Sheila, I want to take a hot shower. The legs got to go. Okay? Well, the legs got to go. We need to feed it to the beetles so I can have a hot shower. Okay? <laughs> I need one. I need one. Yeah. So I I I think this might not This is a don't get me wrong, a very creative solution. Um which is the name of the game, but right. I don't know if it's an effective solution mm-hmm okay yeah yeah that's fair enough if any of uh y'all listening have any ideas if you have any diagrams of of ways to make these beetles work that would be efficient if you want to send us some some cad drawings or some blueprints feel free feel free to hit us up with those luke was proposing a few solutions with like wood of some kind and a great system but if you've got some ideas for how to make these bugs work send them our way you know, we'll uh, we'll get them in the right options. hands. Oh, there's a ton of options. Like, there's plenty of creative solutions out there. That's the segment now. Now it's a re- now it's a segment. Now it's a segment mm-hmm. forever. Let's let's transition this into something that you brought up. Yes. Of what other adaptations are we missing out? on? in this book because we've seen a couple right Mm -hmm. where the season the the fifth season that is causes a change in an animal like to adapt right yes yes i forget the names but one of one of the like dog guys starts eating eating meat um the the beetles transition there's also one that is just briefly touched on that i want to I want to step back and and get get talking to a little bit about. There's a tree okay. that shoots spikes. Oh, Essen's daughter, hearing that. 
Essen's daughter says that this is one of the things that she and her dad dodge as they're headed to wherever they're going. She's She just mentions in passing the trees that shoot spikes. So many questions. So mm-hmm. many questions about this. Like, how? How are they? What is the propulsion system of these spikes? What is the benefit sure. to these trees? Um, how are they aiming? Yeah, How are they aiming? That's a good one. Um, I, <laughs> I'm also I am curious about the the benefit, uh, like attributed to this adaptation. For the aiming thing, I assume it's just one. It's a burst, right? Like all around them. I mean, you've maybe but... got multiple rounds. So it's just they're like toothpick sized spikes, then, because otherwise your tree is just like where it's spending a lot of tree to shoot out in a random direction like it'll run out of tree eventually i just have a lot of questions about the tree spikes you know right that one seems like i will okay these things it's a trial and error system right so like maybe some of these adaptations are actually worse off than if they hadn't done them at all you're saying in the intervening time between the last season and this season a tree was like all right i gotta cook something up for this next season what are we doing what are we gonna have for the next season so we can stand out we can make our mark and and she was like i know tree spikes (laughs) gotta bring on the tree spikes (laughs) every other tree doubted her but she was like uh this is gonna be a hit trust me big hit yeah, that's that's my guess. Yeah, that seems that seems like as as good of a answer as any, honestly, is that this this one just might not last. What I'm curious about, Luke, is we've seen what the creatures in the Broken Earth universe do when there's a season, but when Yellowstone finally blows, Luke, and we get a season of our own. Here in the in the world, in our world, what are the what are the creatures that are changing, and in what ways are we getting are we getting some big changes? You know, okay. that's first off, most obvious one. Woodpeckers are now going for the eyes exclusively. Mm-hmm. That's clearly the most obvious. Day one, woodpeckers are constantly just looking out for eyeballs, and as soon as they see one, it is a straight shot right for the eyes. That's day one. Be wary of woodpeckers. I I mean, I already am, but (laughs) that's day one. It's just such an obvious transformation for them that, like, of course. They were already built for it. (laughs) Some would argue it's the original reason they were built for it exactly exactly it's too obvious it's too obvious uh the other one luke that that i think is is super obvious earwigs you know constantly people like you know they're just called earwigs for who knows what they don't actually go in your ears they're not actually like dangerous in that way uh maybe they got their name long ago during a season because the boil bugs, nobody knew why they were called boil bugs. They were like, yeah, they're cool little guys. And then suddenly they're not so cool. Okay. Okay. You're saying the earwigs is name is from some stone lore that we're currently missing. Exactly. And as soon as a season rolls around, you are sleeping with your ears plugged. Sure. Of oh, you've got to. You've got to. Otherwise, you're getting eggs in your brain for sure. So okay, so you went very hostile with yours. Well, yeah, um, Luke, <laughs> think of what I, we've seen. I, okay, yes, I went. I went a different route. First of all, plants have not come into play in these adaptations, but there you've got to think that they're making some changes. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, we saw the tree, but you mentioned earlier that all the plants are dying, right, because they don't get enough sunlight. Mm-hmm. Yes. I feel like you just tweak you tweak what wavelength you're absorbing. Oh, give me some infrared. Probably probably a lot of infrared floating around. Uh 
Ooh. Okay. It's been it's been a while since I took a biology class. But there I feel like there's a chance that, that could work. I mean, okay, first off, there's less energy in infrared wavelength than visible wavelength. Yeah, you just got to collect more though. Sure. Think of how much you'd have to collect so much though. And like the sun isn't making it through anymore. I feel like you just go plant with teeth that eats deer walking by and that plant's going to survive. Dan, we've got (laughs) to run it out of meat quick. It's a meat based economy. If everything is turning into a carnivore, no one is surviving. We need an ecosystem <laughs> that, like, works. Okay. Someone's got to be taking advantage of non-meat energy sources. <laughs> All right. And you're saying infrared it is does, the Okay, maybe not going. infrared. Is there wind? What's our wind situation? Ooh, a little wind power. Like a tumbleweed that, that gets the energy from tumbling. <laughs> Yes, love that. Interesting love concept, that. Luke. I don't know about it, though. I don't know how this is working. Another idea. Maybe we get some plants with very deep roots. Okay. And, and we, we switch from solar-powered to geothermal-powered. Mm-hmm. Seems like it could work. Okay. Those are some deep roots. Very deep. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, it's like a giant potato, you know, or a carrot. Okay, the thing that I worry about is that to, like, you have to start somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you need energy to build your roots. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> I mean, you know where I'm going to say you should get the energy from, Luke. If you say, if you say these guys are developing teeth, <laughs> they just need a little seed meat <laughs> to to tide them over. <laughs> this is so stupid, but it feels so right. That does feel good. You, someone's got to be using geothermal. I agree. Um, and plants do seem like the the way to go there. I I also want to go. This I am doing a theme here where mm-hmm. I'm going against the, the carnivores. Okay, sure. There's a lot of prey animals, right? Uh, less during a fifth season, but sure, yes. Sure, But I think that their adaptation is they just all band together, right? Oh. All the prey animals, like, it used to be squirrels on their own, and then, like, rabbits also on their own. Now it's like, the whole squad runs together. Interesting, Luke. So you have squirrels looking out in the trees, rabbits looking out on the ground. If they see one of the Kirkusa coming around, they're like, you're not cool anymore. Sorry, you can't hang with us. And they run right. off. Maybe you have like some non-woodpecker birds flying around, keeping an eye out. Ooh, the woodpeckers go one direction, the rest of the birds go the other. I, yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think that they work. They they know each other's strengths and weaknesses. From oh, for past sure. Seasons. <laughs> yes, yes, definitely. Which is why they like squirrels are keeping a lookout, kind of in the trees. Mm-hmm. Bunnies are, are keeping. Bunnies are like, I don't know, <laughs> jumping around. Maybe they're bunnies are decoys, right? Ooh. Bunnies are decoys. decoys. Squirrels are scouts. Um, Birds are the aerial attack that like drops rocks. Tons of rocks. Yeah, they just they're picking up rocks because that's deterring these things. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. And the deer are the kings of this feudal society. I think we're just writing Redwall. Actually, now that I think about it, this might just be Redwall. It very much, it very much is Redwall, which, great book. Are these universes combined? Hang on. Okay. Yes. Okay. For sure. I think that's a definite yes from me as well. The other one I want to get in there before we move on from this, because I was just so excited about it. Because I was thinking, you know, 
what a great reversal of roles to have chicken pigs and cows now start eating us during a season right and it's like uh oh you gotta watch out and like pigs already do have the like feral transformation that they go through if they get out into the wild so i think pigs have already like they already do the thing that's not a new thing i can come up with chickens however you know that little weird red waddly bit on the top mm-hmm. venom sack turns into a venom sack during a fifth season okay and then it's like the dinosaurs from jurassic park with the guy who's trying to steal the shaving cream where you do not want to get a chicken around because it will blind you and then eat you with its chicken friends i do love you bringing up a venom sack um which we should make a segment at this point but yeah i i think that that's good the the last spit? one like it, it's like a it's like a uh, yeah. source of venom that they're spitting yeah, yeah yeah it's definitely being spit out at you out of okay. this thing mm-hmm. the last one that i'm trying to figure out though and maybe you can help me workshop this is i don't know i want cows to change in some way to be hostile to us but i'm trying to figure out what that way is and I was, I'm so tempted to once again go venom sack with the udders. Like, no more milk. It's just venom coming out. But I think that's too much. That's too much on the venom sack, you know? I'm relying too much on a venom sack. And so I'm trying to, I, I, I need some, I, wait, there's got to be some tweak to cows that will take them from just dumb meat walking around to vicious killing machines you know okay i'm gonna i'm gonna not i'm because i i I know that you want to go vicious so so we can go that route Uh uh-huh um i just want to point out that you don't necessarily have to make them like super villains but it's a season luke everything's meat powered (laughs) in my mind okay Mm. i mean We've got we've got horns that we we're working with. We've they've already got those, and they've got udders. Yeah. I, you made a mistake of making the chickens the venom sack because like the cows are clearly the venom sack option. Yeah, I may have made a mistake. So then maybe the chickens the waddle becomes like an ultrasonic emitting device, a really high pitched screech, maybe. Okay, the disables. Mm-hmm. someone and then they peck them to death <laughs> yeah yeah and then they peck them to death actually that's the way it goes that or exploding eggs one of those two things for chickens Ooh, exploding eggs mm-hmm. so it's like instead of it being <laughs> they, like they like throw no, no 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 it's like a trap right they lay like a nest that are like oh somebody will really want to eat these but those are like the exploding eggs okay Actually, yeah, that's the change I want to make. Chickens have exploding eggs and ultrasonic emitting comb and waddle. Cows venom sack for an udder. I think that's it. I think we've fig- I think we've solved it. For sure. For sure. Um I think that's pretty much everything. That seems like all of the animals in our world that would change. Yes. Yes, I can't think of any. Obviously, uh, the rabbits would go all like Monty Python, but they can't handle the trademark copyright infringement, so they don't. Mm-hmm. Rabbits just stay the same, contrary to popular right. belief. Tough hit. Yeah, pretty tough that Monty Python kind of ruined their whole deal with that movie. Okay, how did you feel about what I'm calling a reveal, which I think is too strong of a word? Um, for the use of the term magic. Because when I read it, I was like, like it felt like a reveal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> but it was like, oh, okay. That's just like a word for it. Well, I, okay. So I don't know if it was cool or not. Was yeah, it cool? I know what you mean. Here's what I, here's what I think. The, the reason that it felt like a reveal is because it's this word that 
like we know and there is so few of those in this universe right and so it felt like a reveal because it was like oh magic like that's a word from our universe hmm interesting the reason why it wasn't like a big revelation or anything is because that's how all this stuff was working anyway like we you and i knew this is just magic like they can control the earth and minerals and stuff that's just magic yes that's correct that's what it is and so i don't think it was necessarily like a reveal in the sense of like we learn something new about this universe and more just like a confirmation or even like a funny pointing out the fact that like yeah this thing that they're doing is just magic but they used a different right. word in this book so at first i was i was on the uncool side of this i was like yeah that's not a very cool reveal but now that we talk about it i kind of think it's cool in a different way <laughs> okay yeah i mean i think it's i think it's cool i something that i want to bring up kind of related to this mm -hmm. is so there's a few things in this book specifically and i want to mention mention toward an eq from the subreddit bring this bring this theory up before i could uh <laughs> but in in this book and maybe in the previous one we get some things that are like way too similar to our world right so there's like the moon obviously um the northern lights mm -hmm. things called like the arctic and the antarctic a lot of similarities and then like <laughs> at first this usage of the word magic was like oh yeah it is like our world in the future <laughs> but then i thought about it more and i was like okay but we don't actually like have magic so it can't really be our world <laughs> i was originally thinking that this is like a planet of the apes situation but now it has to be like slightly different and that it's like a Planet of the Apes situation of a world that's similar to our world, but has magic. Okay. I think there's two ways this could go. One of them is is what you've laid out. Yeah, it's like a it's a parallel universe to ours where the only difference or one of the only differences is that there's magic. But otherwise, like it's Earth. It's our Earth with the moon. It's just this slight tweak. And yes, it's in the it's in the far future from now. The other option is that like the magic the word magic like is from us. We just didn't have it. Like we had the word and the word evolved over time. Maybe at some point magic was discovered or developed or evolved at some point in the future. And, like, we had that word for that thing before the thing existed. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because, like, that right. is a word we have. It, But it do, it's not a word that is related to any real thing in our world. Right. I feel like we're coming to, to a point where we are saying that this is the future of our world. Mm -hmm. And an origin is using magic that evolved within us during a season, mm. just like the animals evolved. Interesting, Luke. I will say it sounds like the seasons didn't really start happening until magic was a thing. Because we're learning that like some people think there used to not be seasons Right. And then we did something bad, probably. And now there are Right, seasons. but that doesn't necessarily have to be using magic. Oh, We're pretty good at doing bad things. That's so true. Already. <laughs> well, and part of it is that they're saying we used to have a moon, but they're blaming Origins for getting rid of the moon. And that's why there's a bunch of seasons that happen. What if it's like... What if it's like a... I'm going to combine universes here for a second, but like Seven Eves, <laughs> we just read Seven Eves. What if it was yeah. like a space thing 
that we did something to the moon in space as like a pretty advanced civilization. And then we've kind of reverted from that. Right. And they blame Origins for it because they blame Origins for like everything that is bad. That feels good to me. This is interesting, Luke. This also feels like something that we're never going to get like a tight connection to. Like it it feels like something that NK Jemison is putting in as like a yeah, this is probably how it is, but there's it's not like we're going to find the Statue of Liberty at any point. Right. But maybe. Maybe. Who's to say? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Who is to say? We'll see. We'll see. Speaking of Seven Eves, uh, at one point, Essen mentions that this season is going to last 10,000 years. And I know that these are different books, but having just read Seven Eves, I'm like, 5,000 years. That's amateur. That's so <laughs> amateur, Seven Eves. We got 10,000 years in Obelisk Gate. Come on. Come on, man. Point Obelisk Gate. Yeah, only 5,000 years, Seven Eves? Actually, not that big a deal. Not that Pretty bad. Easy, if you ask me. It's, I wonder how they're really, like, defining the beginning and end of a season here. Like, obviously, it's it, it's obviously how to define the beginning of one. But is the end of one just, like, when... I, I don't even know when it would be. Yeah, I... I feel like that I stops erupting or something. I feel like the idea is like when everything feels back to normal, like whenever everything, everything, like when everything feels like how it did before things started popping off. Either that, or there might be an even easier explanation. And that is when the boil bugs start being chill again. Like, right. But I mean, 10,000 years is a long time and you're not just going to be like, let's keep our like ideal society back as the society from like however long ago and not adapt permanently. Like that feels wrong. So I feel like there's an argument where they're going to adapt enough that the season is the new normal. And then like when it goes back to the real normal, like that's a season. Oh, interesting. Right, like 10,000 years is long enough for the whole human race to like evolve and change and accept that as the new normal. And then it it becomes a huge disaster when the season stops because disaster is just a rapid change from the norm. Right. And we won't be prepared for like what... We'll all get like really badly sunburned and die when the season ends. Ooh. Yeah, probably, Luke. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. Also, it's interesting how easy they're able to estimate that it's going to last that long. Mm-hmm. Like, it feels like there should be a little bit more calculation involved than just like, oh, this is a big volcano. 10,000 years easy. Right. When the 10-year-old girl is like, this feels big, 10,000 years. And that's like in line with what everyone else says. Seems too approximate. Right. And I mean, I guess if your give or take is like a thousand years, like maybe not. I I do think that this is like very irrelevant. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're 100% right. Because, like, for them, who cares? Um, 10,000 years probably just means, like, a long time. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think the point you made about the season becoming the new normal is pretty key here for, like, how we're going to try and reorganize our society. Right. Like, with no more taking Carcusa as pets. Is just rule number one. Right. The other thing about this, which is very odd to me, and I think part of the mystery of this book so far, is that 
Essen is being called on to like stop this from happening. Like people are trying to get her to like make it stop, make the fifth season stop before 10,000 years and like make things better. Mm -hmm. But no one's giving her a lot of details for how that's supposed to happen. Especially Alabaster, who seems like he knows what the plan is. But he's just like, yeah, you should call an obelisk because it's going to help. Meanwhile, he's the one who literally caused it. Like he had, he has admitted to tearing open the earth to eat right. the city where he was like made. And he's like, but we should work on stopping this. Right. I, it does seem like he has some plan in mind rather than just like, I want to kill everyone. And mm-hmm. he's like doing this to in some way better the society. But like, you're dying buddy let's like get this down on paper (laughs) at least it's very important like stop stalling for dramatic reasons he loves stalling for dramatic reasons dude also it seems like his health is rapidly declining and so like he i feel like he wouldn't know what day it was gonna be his last one he could communicate effectively Right. He, I really hope that he has it down on paper. Mm-hmm. He's like, like, in case I don't get the very cool moment that I'm building up to, here's my, here's my manifesto that explains everything. Right, right. I imagine it's like engraved on that weird pink sword he's carrying around that mm-hmm. like, like, it feels kind of underwhelming. Because when we first saw the big pink sword, I was like, is Alabaster going to turn into an anime protagonist with this thing? But clearly he's not getting up off of this bed. Like, clearly he is not wielding this big pink sword. Right. So is Essen going to turn into an anime protagonist with this giant sword? And is that like, what is she going to, is she going to fight a volcano, a volcano with the sword? Right. This issue does not seem solvable with a sword. But I feel like there's a good argument that everything's solvable with a sword. <laughs> She's got to try hard enough. You know, Luke, there's a lot of great anime that would agree with you. And I'm not going to I'm not going to deny that. I'll be the last one to deny that. I I just like I think SN is partly to blame here, actually. Because she has a lot of power in this situation. Like, clearly Alabaster wants her to do something. And she could just say, I won't do it until you tell me what we're doing. Right. And I get she trusts Alabaster. Like, they have a relationship. She trusts him. I get it. But, like... That's no excuse to just let somebody push you around without telling you why you're doing things. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I agree with you that she hasn't, like, tried hard enough to get this story out of him. Because, like, if I'm in this situation, I'm going to ask why, like, a little bit more deeply. Right? Like... Okay, you opened this rift and killed everyone. Why? And if he's like, oh, I was kind of mad. Like, okay, but give me more. <laughs> but I was kind of mad too, and I didn't think this was a good idea. So help me understand what's happening. Yeah, I think you're. I think you're right. It's a little bit on both of them. Mm-hmm. The only potential reason I can think of is that they're being constantly supervised by stone eaters and maybe alabaster doesn't want them to know the plan like maybe alabaster can't say what's going on because then the stone eaters will catch word and be able to stop Mm -hmm. it okay i could see that so that yeah that's that's the one the one thing i can think of right now or what's going on. 
Also, everybody seems remarkably chill with the Stone Eaters. We don't have to talk about this for very long. I just think it's incredible how chill everybody is being with these things. Yeah. Especially the the origins. Right. Because like these guys want to turn you into stone and eat you, I think. It seems like it. They're in kind of a weird relationship that I that they seem to be like perfectly okay with. Mm-hmm. In in that like the origins don't seem to be getting a ton from the stone eaters. Yes. And I feel like you add, you'd be like, hey, I know eventually I'm going to end up in your belly. Um, in exchange, I want this. Right. Maybe you clean up the dishes after dinner. Right. Like to I eat. know even though you didn't eat it, you're on dish duty four days a week. Right. Right. Because eventually you're going to eat me, so it just feels fair. Okay. So... Good start to the book. Next week, uh, just so you know, we're going to be actually splitting this up into only two sections, this being the first. So we're going to read the rest of the book for next week. Don't stop two-thirds of the way through. Read it all. Mm -hmm. Read it all. Yeah. We'll have some answers. Yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll find out some answers to these questions. I'm really excited to hopefully get Shafa murdered somewhere along the way because I hate this guy. But yeah, but we'll see. We'll see. Luke and I'll be we'll be hanging around and we got to watch out for those origins, Luke, because they might be coming to mess with some of our hot takes and distracting us from being dumb nerds. 